0: Hello my friends, Paul White here and it's the 13th day of October. Thanks for joining me on the Deeper Daily Podcast. We come to the conclusion of the week, the work week, as we head into the weekend, praying that you're having a great great week and that you have been growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That does not have to wait until Sunday, by the way. You don't have to get to church to grow in grace and knowledge. I encourage you to get to church. Yes, go. Go. Worship with the fellowship of the redeemed. Be in a safe space where you can grow and you can encounter Christ. But don't wait to get there to meet him. Talk to him. Spend time with him. That's what we're doing as we journey through the gospel of Luke. We've arrived at verse 26 of chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, Betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The word okay, well, first of all, let's start with the fact that it's a month after Elizabeth uh, has been shut up. She's she's pregnant and then shuts herself up for five months. This then takes a pause so that we can see one month into the future where Gabriel goes and visits Mary who's betrothed, a word that is a little more binding than the word engaged. I've I've heard for years we would say Moses or Moses, Joseph and Mary were engaged, but that's cheapening the word that gets translated for betrothed because a modern engagement is we intend to get married. A betrothal was virtually a form of marriage. The couple didn't live together, but would had to have been divorced to break the relationship. That's a a very clear distinction between the legal code of that day and the legal code of our day. So a betrothal was as binding as marriage. So let's drop the idea that they're merely engaged because it doesn't send the sense of covenant to us that the word betrothal would send. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, notice he's of the house of David, and then the virgin's name is Mary. Let's talk virgin birth of Jesus for a moment, and this is going to take us a couple of days because as I said yesterday, we just recently did a message on this in regards to the creed, he's conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And I did both of those in one sermon Um, and and really try to get to the bottom of not just the conception by the power of the Holy Spirit, but to the bottom of why the word virgin is there at all and why that word is necessary. Um, We do realize that the virgin birth prophesied in the Old Testament is not always the word used in translations of that from Isaiah because the word virgin can mean young woman, not necessarily a woman who hasn't been with a man. But let's talk about the virgin birth in regards to the church. Both Matthew 1 and Luke 1 and then into Luke 2, Complement one another. They tell independent stories, but they're complementary and they agree in in what they tell about Jesus' birth being a result of a miraculous conception, namely that Jesus is born to a virgin. Um, The miraculous or the immaculate conception, let's say it that way, the immaculate conception is a Catholic term that. Regards, Mary as having also been birthed supernaturally, putting Mary in some ways on par with with the virgin birth of Jesus. Um, I don't espouse to that because we have we don't have any biblical record of Mary also having uh, a conception that was miraculous. So when we say Immaculate Conception, we're not talking about Jesus, by the way. That's, that would be talking about Mary. Um, the, the, Mary becomes pregnant by the Holy Spirit's creative action. This is why I like to insert the word and in, in the creed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Some versions of the creed say conceived by the Holy Spirit, but many others say conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I like to say that because it is he's he is God the Father is creator. And the Holy Spirit also creates in the birth of Christ in the same way that the Holy Spirit or in much the same way that the Holy Spirit creates new creation birth in us. Well, most Christians accepted this virgin birth encounter without hesitation. There wasn't really much argument in our church history up until about the 19th century. And a lot of the the, the debate was birthed out of the Enlightenment. This whole... It isn't real if you can't touch it. It isn't real if you can't see it. Uh, And then it became this real pivotal issue in the midst of the Christian debate about supernaturalism, in the debate about the divinity of Jesus, and now modernism. And when we say modern, we don't mean the last two weeks. We live in a world where modern is last night's Twitter count. you know. Uh, That's about as modern as it gets. When I say modernism, I'm talking essentially the Enlightenment period, the last 200 plus years, uh, has really worked very hard in a secular vein to try to reinterpret Jesus as really a good godly man, an insightful teacher, rather unique, but push out the idea of the virgin birth um, because that's an impossibility, and so that's how Jesus has been argued, and, and sadly, I think sadly, even within the church, in reality, the virgin birth belongs with the rest of the New Testament message about Jesus, because John tells us in his version, John doesn't give you the, the nativity, he doesn't tell you about the birth of Jesus, but he tells you about the origin of Jesus, which is different. John tells us that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. He identifies Christ as the Word. And so he gives the eternal dignity and the eternal glory that Jesus had before the world began and then translates that into the natural. So it is not a stretch for us to believe in a virgin birth if we believe that Christ existed with God At the creation of the world. So why is it that we say, well, Jesus has been with the Father from the beginning, but I struggle with this virgin birth idea. Do we realize what we're doing? We're, we're, We're saying that one is a possibility that Jesus existed before he was born as the creator of heaven and earth, but the other that he could actually be born into this world by a virgin, well, that just doesn't make sense. um, so I disagree with that line of thinking because it it accepts one miraculous event as true, but the other miraculous event as absolutely impossible uh, Both Matthew and Luke are interested in how the birth of Jesus. Um as a human will fulfill God's plan, his redemption plan, how the human tastes sorrow, how the human dies for sinners. Neither of them are really all that concerned with the virginal conception as a, a miraculous or as a physical wonder. They don't even use it as an apologetic weapon to try and shore up some sort of Christian theology. Um, I'm not I'm not going to to get into it. I'm not it's It's impossible to say, whether the virgin birth was the only way Jesus could have come to the earth and identified with people but as it is uh, it's a testimony to the deity of Christ it sets Christ apart from all others it's appropriate that he would born be born unusual since he is unusual uh, he's like us but he's unlike us how do we explain the hypostatic union he's all man and he's all god and so for me that's how i can see the virgin birth within context of Christianity. There's more to say and we'll say it, but we'll get started on a little more and the message you can look for on Sunday tomorrow. See you then. God bless.